Welcome. You are listening to Sermon Audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. A lot of times we will uh, maybe ask you to show some appreciation to a worship team or something like that. I've got a completely different group in mind this morning. And uh, that is since it was so warm outside this morning. <clears throat> when, when I left the house this morning, it was saying it was a negative one uh, with a wind chill uh, factored in. Anyway, when you guys put in the parking lot, did you notice even though it was freezing cold outside, there were still people in the parking lot helping you see where to park at. And they'll be in the rain sometimes and, and stuff like that, but that's kind of a, a job that flies under the radar. And I think today especially, we need to give them some, uh, some appreciation for being out there and, uh, and, and helping in that way. Uh, our small groups are starting a six-week uh, study uh, this week. So if you're a part of a small group that meets on Sunday night, tonight's your first meeting. Uh, we have some on Tuesday night, uh, some on Thursday night uh, also. Uh, so be sure and look at the table out there. If you don't remember uh, which night you signed up for, you need to look and see. If you've not signed up for a small group yet, uh, you can go out there and, and see what's available to you. We have one group that flexes a little bit because the, some of them are in law enforcement or emergency services, so sometimes it's a different night uh, during the week because they have to move around based on their schedule. Uh, somewhat. So, uh, but you don't have to be uh, law enforcement or anything like that to be in their group. Uh, you do have to behave. They might take you to jail uh, if, if you go to be in their group. But, uh, but if you've not signed up yet, please go out there and, and check out the uh, options that are available for our life groups that will be starting uh, this week. <clears throat> We're also giving away the book. If you can afford to pay $5 for the book, Please do so because that just kind of helps our budget toward future studies when we have future small uh, group meetings. Uh, but if you can't, if $5 would just cramp your style really bad right now, we want everyone to have a copy of the book. So if you don't have a copy of the book, whether you're in a small group or not, please stop by out there in the connection area uh, before you leave today and, and try and pick up a copy of the book uh, that's, that's out there. But <clears throat> the topics that we're going to be uh, looking at in this study, and uh, the, the sermon series I'm doing is kind of to, to enhance our small groups, but really to, to enhance all of us as a, uh, as a church body. But here's the topics we're going to be looking at. Today we're going to be talking about a functioning church member. Uh, then next week, uh, the Lord will, and it looks like they're calling for a chance of ice and snow uh, next Saturday, so we'll pray that doesn't happen. But uh, we're going to talk about being a unifying church member. Uh, we're going to talk about being an unselfish church member. That kind of means we don't make church about our own preferences and what we want. Uh, we're going to talk about being a praying church member, uh, a nurturing church member, not just nurturing your own family, but also other people that you get the opportunity to uh, kind of rub shoulders with in life. And then a passionate church member, because we need to be passionate, I think, uh, about the church that we are part of. Uh, Paul, as he... Uh, as he writes in the New Testament, gives us this image of a, of a church body. Uh, sometimes I think we run the danger of making some distinctions that I don't really see strongly in, in the Bible. Let me explain what I'm saying before we kind of jump into the message. Uh, one reason I'm doing this, I was reading some reviews uh, online for the book, I'm Not a Church Member, and uh, you can get what you want out of something depending on the mindset you read it from. Have you ever figured that out? Uh, and it seemed like whoever was reviewing the book, and this particular review uh, made it kind of sound like the book was all about uh, the leaders of churches uh, almost kind of getting the members of churches under their thumb. You know, you understand what I'm saying. I think that is not what this book is about at all. For the very reason we're going to talk about this morning, we are all part of the same body. We're part of the same church. Even if someone is a leader or an ordained pastor or a deacon or, or some other leader in the church, they're still part of the same body. Years ago, I don't know who came up with it, but someone came up with this artificial term called a layperson. 
I've never seen that in the Bible. Have you ever seen that in the Bible? Because it's not there. Uh, we're all part of the same body. Yes, there are people who are ordained, talked about in the Bible, but along with that comes higher responsibility and accountability uh, also. But I, I just want you to understand, we're all part of the same body of Christ and, and have that with clarity because that's kind of the illustration that Paul's going to be talking about. There are two primary characteristics of being a functioning church member that we're going to look at today. The, the first one is this. Being a functioning church member involves connectivity. It involves connectivity. Uh, that simply means that us being part of the same church, we're connected together in the same body. Now, as I said last week, uh, a lot of times people will talk about the church only in the terms of the church universal. And while that is completely true, there is a universal church made up of all denominations where people know Christ as their Savior, and we are all part of that body of Christ, but there's also a local church that we're connected to. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 today, if you want to kind of follow along in 1 Corinthians 12, and we'll jump around a little bit. Some of it will be verse by verse, some of it will not be. Uh, and we'll actually look at 13 and 14 a little bit also uh, today. But uh, you, you need to understand that this uh, thought of being, being connected to each other, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, which was a local church in the city of Corinth. Uh, there are all kinds of churches in the New Testament, the, the church at Rome, the, the church at Philippi. All of those are local congregations as Paul writes to them. And I'm simply trying to point out to you that a lot of what's said in the New Testament as far as how you and I ought to function as church members, we can't even begin to do it in the church universal, but we can do it in a local church, being part of a local church body. So he's writing them and he's telling them that they need to understand that they're connected together. Now the primary or the first connection is to be connected to Jesus. Now by that, what I'm saying is this. You can't be really part of the church. You might walk down an aisle and say, I want to be part of the church and sign a membership role and ask people to vote you into the church. But you're not really part of the church unless you've trusted Christ as your personal Savior. That's why we need to realize that primary connection that is being part of the church, being a member of a church, comes not by signing a role. It comes by, by trusting in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Paul wrote these words. He said, for just as the body is one and has many members. Now, all through this chapter, he's using the illustration of the human body. And our human body is made up of various members, various parts. But he's using it as an illustration also of the church. So he said, just as the body is one and has many members, so all the members of the body, the many are one body, so it is with Christ. In other words, as my body is made up of various members, and for my body to function like a human body is supposed to, I need all of them active, you know? I, I, I'll be 59 this month. Some of mine don't operate like they used to, okay? But, but to be what I really need to be, I need all the parts of my body operating. That's true in terms of the church also. Now, you might be thinking instantly, well, you're talking about how we ought to serve together. I will talk about that in a few moments. What I'm talking about right now is how we connect together. We, we need to realize that just as my body it is all interconnected with nerves and, 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 and veins and blood coursing through my body and, and DNA in a, in a similar way, we need to recognize that as the church, we're connected together, but that starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ by you trusting Christ as your Savior. <clears throat> I was at a, a church that I pastored one time years ago and uh, been there a few months and, and somebody came up and, <clears throat> and they said, well, uh, we've got a few people that feel like they can't fellowship with you as much and, uh, and here's why. They said because they, they don't hunt or they're not former law enforcement or they don't like guns or whatever the case is. Today it might be, well, they don't like motorcycles or, or whatever the case is, you know, for me. So, so someone was telling me that some people in the church feel like they can't fellowship with you. And I understood what they were saying. But you understand the fellowship that we're really talking about in the church or the connectivity that we're talking about in the church 
cannot be based upon our hobbies. It it can't be based upon our our social economic standing. It can't be based upon anything except one thing, and that is our faith in Jesus Christ. Because all of us come from different backgrounds. All of us like different things or dislike different things. Uh, So we can't have that connectivity through all those various things that the world wants to talk about fellowship through. In the church, our connectivity is this. We all have trusted in Jesus Christ. We all have bowed our knee to Jesus Christ. We've trusted in his finished work on the cross, plus nothing, minus nothing. Our primary connection is to Christ. That's where the connection begins to start with. But then the the foundational, uh, well, let me... I'm about to jump over some verses. I'm going to have him crazy up there. I'm jumping around on him today. I apologize, David. Uh, in Ephesians, it tells us this. And he put all things under his feet and gave him, talking about Jesus, as the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Later on in Ephesians, it says this. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head in the cross. So simply put is this. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. We have to be connected to him first. That's primary. A little phrase I came up with that you can remember it easy with, probably, and it might sound a little bit uh, coy to you, or you might not like the phrase, but basically, here's the truth. If you're not part of the head, which is Jesus, you're dead. If parts of my body is not part of my head, guess what? Those those parts are going to die. They're dead. Jesus Christ being the head of the church, the Bible says we're lost in trespasses and sin. We're dead in trespasses and sin. If we're not connected to Jesus, we're dead to the head. So, So that's the primary connection. But the foundational connection is through Jesus. And he goes on in verse 13 and 14. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews are Greeks, slaves are free. Now, let me stop there for a moment before we go on, because that represents, if you know any background to to the Scriptures, two pretty big divisions among some groups. Because the Jews historically had looked down on anyone that was non-Jewish as like dirty, filthy Gentiles. So that's a pretty big, huge rift. And then he talks about someone being a slave or someone being free. That's a pretty big distinction also. Someone that is free and someone that's not free, and they're still having to be in slavery uh, somewhere. So he's talking to these groups of people that are in the same church in Corinth, and he more or less says this, all were made to drink of one spirit, for the body does not consist of one member but of many. And I started running that path a little bit ahead of myself a moment ago. But we have all different interests, different backgrounds. The way we are foundationally connected to each other is through Jesus Christ. That's how we're connected to each other. Not Jews, Greeks, there shouldn't be a distinction. Slave, free, we don't need to draw those types of distinctions whatsoever. Instead, we're to recognize we're all part of the body of Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verse 17 and 18 says this, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he's the head of the body, the church. So that's telling us that Jesus holds everything together. Now, the two pictures that I'm about to bring up on the screen, I have used before in a sermon when I was talking about how Christ holds us together. Anybody remember me talking about laminin in the past? You know, there was a message that Louis Giglio did a few years ago talking about laminin, and it's an adhesion molecule in our bodies. The very creator, God, who made us, decided that that adhesion molecule that holds us all together would look like what? What does that look like? It looks like a cross. So I've used that before to talk about how the very creator of the universe who made my body and your body chose to have this adhesion molecule that holds our literal cells together to look like a cross. But the way I want you to view it today is this. You and I, as the church, we are held together by the cross of Jesus Christ. That is our thing that we can fellowship around, that we can rally around. No matter what our different backgrounds might be, we can rally around the cross of Jesus. 
There's also a relational connection. And the relational connection is with other Christians. The primary connection is to Jesus. We have to be connected to him by faith. That gives us a, a foundational connection through Christ to where we're connected to each other. So to kind of explore that out a little bit more, we need to recognize that as Christians, as members of the same church, God desires for us to have this relational connection to each other. That goes deeper than just sitting on a chair or a pew, whatever you want to call it, on Sunday morning. He said, if a foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if an ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. The background to the church at Corinth that Paul is is writing to, it, it appears that Some of those believers, and when you get on over into chapter 14, you can see it clearly, that some of those believers felt like they were disconnected or not as important to the body because they didn't have some of the giftedness that other members had. Paul basically is saying that's not the philosophy that we can afford to have as believers with each other. The the short of it is this, we need each other as believers. We need each other. We need each other relationally. We need to connect in life and do life together just because my foot isn't my hand. My hand can't say to my foot, well, I I don't really need you because my hand does need my foot. My hand can't do very long. At my age, it probably can't do it at all. I used to be able to walk on my hands a little bit. Now, if I can today, it would be a laughing matter if I try, probably, for you guys. My foot's designed to walk on, not my hands. I can't have the attitude of saying, well, you know, because you're different than me, I don't need you. My hand can't say that to my foot. My ear can't say that to my eyes. But Paul is stressing that we relationally need each other. Just because we're different doesn't mean that we don't need each other. Someone can't look at a part of the body, just like my individual parts of my human body. Someone shouldn't look at at part of the church body and say, well, because you're different than me, then either you don't fit or I don't fit, so one of us needs to leave. And, And regrettably, a lot of times that can be the mentality of people within a church. Like I said, Paul's writing because there were people that were concerned that they just didn't maybe fit and they were minimizing their importance in the body. That's one reason I asked you to applaud the people in the parking lot this morning. One, because it was very, very cold outside and we should be appreciative of what they were doing for us. But another reason is this. We should never minimize any task that anybody can perform within the church body. Don't minimize yourself. Don't think, well, because I don't have that gift, then I'm not really important to the church. That's what was happening in Corinth. Some people were magnifying spiritual gifts that they had. And people that didn't have those spiritual gifts were thinking, man, I'm not nothing. I can't do that. I I can't do the things that they're doing. You need to understand something. Every one of you are a valuable part and a vital part of the church. You don't have to stand up here and sing and play an instrument or try and preach a message. There are all kinds of things that need to take place for this body to function the way that God would love for this church to function. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. But right now, I just want you to really get the image that we, we need each other relationally. Paul writes more about that as we go on in the, in the verses here. In verse 22 through 26, it says, On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And on our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. 
But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care one for the other. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So some words in, in the Greek, the original Greek language that Paul was writing in, the word for composed, when it talks about God composing the body, he is creator, made our human bodies. But what Paul is saying, God is composing the church, the body of Christ, the way he wants it to be. He said he's combining or assimilating or mixing with. The word even meant to temper together. Any of you that have ever studied anything about various types of steel, when the person is, is coming up with a, with, with a recipe, for lack of a better term, for, for steel, an equation to make a certain type of steel, and they want it to be a really strong steel, they will temper in certain parts into that equation end of the chemistry that's taking place. So that steel will be steel that will really hold an edge like a knife. Or it can be a very strong beam, metal beam to be used in a building. And the person that makes that steel is mixing it in such a way to make it as, as strong as it really needs to be. That's the image that Paul, I think, is trying to give us. God is the one that is placing people in the church. He's mixing us together tempering us so we can be the church that he wants us to be so we can be as strong as we need to be so we can have relations with each other as we ought to have loving each other and caring for each other he says so there won't be any division any split or gap is what the word means and that we might have the same care and the phrase for the same care in the greek literally means to be anxious about A lot of times we're told not to worry, not to be anxious in the scriptures, but here we're told when it comes to being part of the same church body, we need to be anxious over each other. We we need to be anxious about each other. We need to care for each other. We need to to love each other. We need to minister to, to each other. We need to be sure that we're giving honor to people that need honor and those that sometimes seem like they slip by the wayside. I think Paul is saying uh, there are people that are indispensable that maybe we don't recognize how important they are based upon what they're doing in the church body. And we need to be sure we give honor to all parts of the body, even those parts that seem to be going on behind the, behind the scenes and hidden a little bit, and you just don't see what they're really doing. And here's the reason he tells us we need to do that, in order that we might have the unity that he's talking about. In order that somebody will not feel minimized because someone else is magnified all the time. There there are people who emotionally maybe feel like they're disconnected to the body, like some of the believers were in Corinth, because they didn't have the gifts that somebody else had. That's why we need to strive the best that we can to give the proper attention to every member in the body, to have the same care for each person in, in the body. He even put it like this. If one member suffers, the rest suffer with it. Now, Paul said the same thing in Romans. We looked at it last week. The illustration, he's talking about the body again. If one part of my body suffers, I know about it all through my body. It might just be my toe that's hurting because I've stumped it in the dark. But because of the nerve endings and everything that's connected all the way to the brain, I know about it because of that connectivity that we have. That's one reason we encourage you guys to be involved in small groups to go out and sign up for a home team because it's kind of impossible on Sunday morning for us to filter in and grab hold of everything that you might be going through in your life. And I may not know you're hurting from me being here on the stage trying to preach to you, but if you're in a small group of believers, you can share with them that you're hurting and the difficulty that you're going through. He tells us that we need to suffer with those that suffer. We need, to, we need to feel it ourselves because they're part of the same body of Christ that we're part of. Now, the challenging part for us is this. When someone else is honored, he says that we need to rejoice. If one member is honored, the rest rejoice together with them. By human nature, that's the difficult part sometimes because sometimes we'll think, wow, that person's getting all the attention and I I didn't get any. 
And that happens many times. That's why we need to strive to care for each other and love each other as much as possible. To be connected together. More or less, Paul is saying this, that there's no room for failure when it comes to compassion in the body, and there's no room for jealousy when it comes to people being jealous in the body of other believers because of their giftedness. 1 Corinthians 12, 31, the last verse in this chapter, Paul says this, and I will show you still a more excellent way. That's the end of chapter 12. Logically, what comes after chapter 12? Chapter 13. You guys are still gunshot about being Friday the 13th. You're afraid to say 13, aren't you? What do we tend to call 1 Corinthians chapter 13? The what chapter? The love chapter. Now, I kind of rubbed shoulders with this a few weeks back in a message, but it's in the context of what's taking place here in this study. In chapter 12, he's writing to believers about how they need to be connected together and care for each other and be concerned about each other. When he gets to chapter 14, he's going to deal specifically with some of the problems that they were having. What he does in chapter 13 is to tell the church at Corinth how they ought to love each other. You see, we've taken 1 Corinthians 13, and we've taken it to be something to be used just in weddings or to be used talking about relationships and counseling or to be used for a Valentine's message or whatever the case might be. And there's nothing wrong with those applications, but the context of it is this. The context of it was the church at Corinth was having some issues in their fellowship between each other, Paul is writing to deal with those issues, and he writes to this church, and he says, listen, you need to love each other. Paul says this, he says, anything that we do without love, no matter how good we might think it is or how needed we might think it is, if we're doing something without love, it just sounds like a, a clanging symbol or an always gone to someone. I've got Zach worried, I think, because I told Zach between the services, did you hear me talking about you in the first service? No, what'd you say? See, Zach's up here playing drums. Is Zach playing the cymbals up here as he's playing drums? When it fits where it's supposed to be in the song, it sounds great. But on the other hand, as Zach started carrying that cymbal around with him, and every time you saw Zach... He's walking up to you, and he's beating that cymbal in your ears. It would get old pretty fast, wouldn't it? I mean, we even joke about Zach. We call him the God of Thunder because he beats the drums so hard. That's why we put a lid on it, on the top of it a while back. If it's sounding like it's music, it has a beauty to it. If he came up just following you around, and every time you saw Zach, he'd walk over to you, and he'd take that cymbal, and he'd start beating it in your ears, You'd get to where you'd think, I don't even want to see Zach coming. You see, that's the problem that we have regrettably developed within the church. We've tried to minister to people, correct people's lives, witness to people, tell people about Jesus. And we've done it in such a way they don't experience love. They don't see the motive of love. And to them, it just feels like we're coming up and banging something in their ears all the time because it's just like an old clangy sound in their ears instead of it being what it ought to be, an action of love. We're just beating somebody on the head with a Bible and they don't understand that we love them and we're not just trying to be mean-spirited to them. We're just trying to help them come to Christ or we're trying to help them correct some things in their life. If we do it in the wrong way, it's just loud noise that people don't want to hear. He tells us in this chapter we ought to be patient and kind. Yes, you ought to do that as husband and wife, but he's writing to a church. He's writing to believers. We need to be patient and kind with each other. He tells us we don't need to be practicing envy or jealousy or boasting around other believers or toward other believers. We don't need to be arrogant or rude toward other believers. My goodness, I wish some churches I pastored in the past would have got hold of that one. 
and some church members. We, we don't need to insist on our own way all the time. He, he also tells us this in this love chapter. We're not to be irritable or resentful toward each other. We as a body of Christ, we ought to be rejoicing in the truth, not rejoicing in wrongdoing. We are to bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, and endure all things. Basically, Paul is saying this. We need to be able to put up with each other. You understand, even the best Christian is going to have bad days, and they may do something that ticks you off, and they don't even know that they've done it. Or something that disappoints you, and they have no idea that they've disappointed you. That's why we need to put up with each other. We need to believe all things. I think by that, Paul is telling us this. We need to believe the best about people. We need to be fast to believe the best and still believe the worst about people. We need to hope the best for people, hope all things. We need to endure all things. And he writes that to a church, to a body of of believers as to how they ought to relate to each other. The church at Corinth was failing to function together as a body of Christ because instead each person was elevating their own desires, their own gifts, what they wanted. It was all about me. And Paul writes to this church in Corinth and he says, you can't make it all about you and it's not all about you. And more or less, he goes on in the verses we're going to look at. And he's telling that church the reason they need to really love each other, the reason they need to be so connected to each other is that they've been given a ministry that's too important to be sidelined by things like disruptions in the fellowship and problems among believers or sideline the ministry of the church sidelined by division so the second main characteristic of being a fully functioning church member is not just connectivity that's part of it but the second part of us being a fully functioning church member is empowering ministry you and I Functioning in the roles with the gifts and the talents that God's given us. Us fitting the place in the church that God wants us to fit. The ministry that needs to be filled and performed. You and I doing that comprises the body of Christ. No one person can do it all. No one group of people can do it all. It takes the whole body making up the body of Christ to carry out all the ministry that needs, needs to take place. We're to be the feet of Jesus, the hands of Jesus, the eyes of Jesus in this world, the ears of Jesus in this world, the heart of Jesus in this world. Carrying out the ministry, he's the head, and he's dictating to us through the scriptures the things that we need to be about as a church and as individuals. I mentioned this last week, but when I first met with Dwayne Kirkendall about Uh, helping lead us through this transformational church survey that we've been asking you to log online and take. If you've not done it yet, you need to really do it this week because on the 28th, Dwayne's coming to meet with myself and the staff and some of our leadership to unpack uh, some things that maybe he found out through that. But he voiced this, and I'm afraid that it's true. And it's not just true for us. It's true for my life, and I think you'd agree it's also true for your life. But I think it's true for the church as a whole is that the problem we're really having in this day of time is an obedience issue. You can find out right here what he says, what the head is saying to the body. The disconnect comes when we don't do what the head is saying to the body. Just like my human body is very diverse, I have fingers, toes, feet, legs, biceps, Still a little bit. All of that blends together very diverse parts to make up my human body. That are meant to do various tasks. 
My eye doesn't do the same thing my hands do, and so forth. In the same way that God as the creator made our human bodies in a diverse way, he's also bringing diversity into play in the church. It's an intentional diversity. It says if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If, if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Now from the human body illustration, he's more or less saying this. If all the body were an eye, there would be some senses that the body would be missing. Some people think that God is just old fogey all the time. There's not anything lighthearted or comical in the Bible. I, I beg to differ. I think that's pretty funny right there. The whole body is an eye. You want to go be walking the streets of Lenore or Granite Falls one, and here comes a great big old eyeball bouncing your way. Look kind of weird, wouldn't it? That's an extreme illustration that he's, that he's given us. But God made the parts of the body with various giftedness for the purpose that he made them. The same God is using that same diversity and putting churches together, even the local church together. So we will have all the giftedness that we need to carry out the ministry that God wants to take place within, within the church. In other words... The church without certain needed members in the church would be missing some of the senses, so to speak, some of the gifts, some of the needed ministry that needs to take place because all the churches aren't engaged in ministry. The word for arranged in, in the Greek language, means to place in a passive or horizontal posture or position. Now, don't let that make you feel too relaxed because what the word does not mean is this. It doesn't mean that he puts you in the church to sit down on a pew or on a chair and that's all you do. That's not what it means. The word doesn't mean inactivity. There's a different Greek word that means inactivity. The word that's used here simply means this. It is God as a sovereign God who is placing people in the church with their giftedness. And you might be thinking, oh, that's not so. I joined Day 3 Church because I wanted to join Day 3 Church. You probably think you found Jesus too, and the Bible clearly says you didn't find him, he found you. So whether you know it or not, God is the one that placed you here and he placed you here for a reason. Because we need diversity within the church in order to carry out all the ministry that needs to be done. God intentionally uses diversity within the church. Now, a lot of times when we hear the word diversity, we always think of race. Well, as far as I'm concerned, guys, here's how that stands. We're in the church. We all trace ourselves back to Adam. There's one God that made us. Racism shouldn't even be a question. Should never come into our discussion whatsoever. That's not the diversity that he's talking about. While I would love for us to be as diverse as we could, I'd love to come in here on Sunday morning and see people from every tribe and every tongue. That's why it's going to be in heaven one day. Amen. But that's not the diversity that he's talking about. The diversity that he's talking about is the various gifts that we can bring to bear. The, the part of the body that he wants us to fulfill. Because it's not just an intentional diversity, it's a purposeful diversity. In verse 19 through 21, we find these words. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Yet the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't have any need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need 
of you. I alluded that to a moment ago. I mean, how crazy would that be for, for, for me to look down at my foot and say, yeah, I'm ticked off you, I'm upset at you, you're just going somewhere else. Because I, I need my foot. Day three church, for day three church to be all God intends for it to be, we need each and every member figuring out how God made them, how God wired them, how God wants to use them in the ministry of this church to make us to be the body that he really ultimately and totally wants us to be. He goes on and says more about it in verse 27 through 30. Now, now you're the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts, of healing, helping, administering, or administrating the various kinds of tongues or languages. And then he asks a question, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? And the word that he used for appointed there is the exact same word he used for arranged. God is a sovereign God, and he's putting into the church people with various gifts. Some are apostles, some are prophets or preachers, some are teachers, some God may use to perform miracles. But the structure of that in the Greek, those questions that Paul is asking in the Greek, it demands a no to each and every question that he's asking. In other words, not everyone performs all of those gifts. Everyone's not an apostle. Everyone's not a preacher. Everyone's not a teacher. Everyone might not have a gift of healing or, or a gift of language or whatever it is. Everyone doesn't have all those gifts. Because we need all the various gifts that each have rolled together into the church to make the church be all that it ought to be. We ought to be thankful for that kind of diversity. It'd be kind of boring, wouldn't it, if you showed up at church on Sunday morning and everybody looked just like you? I would get sick of looking at bald heads. I have to look at mine enough in the mirror. I don't want to show up at church and everybody look like me. Or everyone think they're supposed to act like me or be me. We, we need the diversity. Thank God that we look different, that we can... Enjoy the distinctions that we have that God's given us. But it's not just how we look, it's the gifts that we have. It's the talents that God's given us. We ought to be so thankful that we don't all have the same ability. Can you imagine the chaos that would take place if on Sunday morning everyone decided, I'm going to come up on stage and I'm going to sing with John this morning. I mean, if everybody did that, can you see all of you guys up here trying to fit on the stage, trying to do that? Who, who, who are we leading in worship? Or if everyone decided, hey, I'm, I'm going to come up and I'm going I'm to help the preacher preach this morning and everyone come up and, and help do the message. be a lot of chaos. We ought to be thankful that we have individual gifts. You see, really, that ought to take the pressure off because the God who made you and the God who saved you knows exactly the abilities and the talents he's given you. And all God's asking you to do is just be you and find out how that plugs into the ministry of the church and, and use it in a way that can bring glory to himself. What's the goal of it anyway? What is the goal of us being connected together? What, what's the goal of us being the, the body of Christ? Where are we trying to empower ministry by each person doing their part? Well, when you go beyond chapter 13, the love chapter that we've already talked about, into chapter 14, I'm going to read some highlights for you. And you'll see the gold is building up the body of Christ. On the other hand, the one who prophesies, speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. But the one who prophesies builds up the church so that the church may be built up. 
See, some of the background of that, there were people that were, as I said earlier, they were, they were elevating their gifts, especially the gifts of, of tongues or languages. I, I think that's caused a lot of confusion in the church many times. When you read it in the King James, if you'll notice, the word unknown in the King James is in italics. That means it didn't exist. If you'll do a word study for the word tongues, it actually means languages. And, and it talks about someone interpreting it, someone telling and explaining the meaning of what is said because that's what builds up the church. If someone just stands up and starts speaking and who knows what, that doesn't build up the church because no one understands what's said unless someone's gifted to interpret it. On the day of Pentecost, the miracle was everybody heard it in their own tongue, heard it in their own language. But what Paul is correcting, no matter what your theology might be concerning tongues, what Paul is definitely correcting is this. People exalting their gifts and the way they were practicing their gifts were not building people up. The goal of you and I being connected together, the goal of us fitting our place in the church and using our gifts in the church is so that people can be built up. When everyone comes together, each has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or interpretation. And they say, let all things be done for building up. It'd be pretty confusing and chaos in church all the time if we did kind of what I described earlier. Everyone trying to do this or that. And then he also says this, for God's not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. Imagine how ridiculous my body would look. I shouldn't hesitate there. I'm waiting for Lynn Crump to put in a little zinger or something. He normally does that to me. That's his giftedness in the church sometimes, to give zingers to the preacher. Imagine how ridiculous it would look if all of a sudden every part of my body decided, I'm not paying attention to the head. not going to do what the head, what the brain tells me to do. I'm just going to do my own thing. It'd be pretty chaotic, wouldn't it? That's why you and I as the church, we need to recognize as a local church, God's connected us together so we can love and care for each other. Jesus Christ is the head. He needs to dictate to us the ministry that we're performing and what we do as a church and as individuals, and all of us carrying out the ministry God has gifted us, instead of looking like some type of incoordinated blob, <laughs> we can look like an athlete that's performing in the way the best that he can. That's the way the church ought to be for Christ. There's two extremes that we need to avoid in the church. One extreme is this. The extreme of being so prideful of the gifts that God has given us that we get lifted up in pride and make it all about us and what we can do. But there's a second extreme that's just as detrimental in the church, and that's the extreme of you thinking you can't do anything for Christ. Of thinking you don't have anything to bring to the table. Because the truth is this. All of us who know Christ as our Savior are members of the body of Christ. And he has something for all of us to do. We're to minister to each other. We're to reach a lost and dying world. The only way the church will ever accomplish that is if everybody is doing what God's called them to do. We get ready to do this thing called an invitation. I'll remind you earlier in the service, I told you that the primary connection is Jesus. The pathway to being part of the body of Christ is trusting Christ as your Savior. And if you've never done that, I hope during this invitation time, you will pray and consider giving your life to Jesus. 
If you've already done that and yet you would have to admit to yourself right now you're not as connected to other believers as you should be, can I stop and say something? I kindly think all of us could confess that. Amen? We're not as connected as we should be to other believers. Then how about praying and saying, God, help me do something about it. Help our church do something about it. And if also as you reflect and pray over being the body of Christ and wondering how you fit in to the body. If you would have to admit before God, you're not doing everything God's called you to do. Then I think it'd also be a good time to say, God, help me figure out. Show me, use me in day three church the way you want me to be used. Let's pray. Father, Forgive us when we act like we're not part of the body. Forgive us when we don't love each other, when we're not concerned for each other, when we're not anxious for each other, as we should be. Father, I pray for anyone here in this place that's never said yes to Christ, that you would help them right now to connect to Jesus. Father, I pray you help the rest of us to have this burden, this desire to connect to each other. Father, I pray you help all of us to evaluate where we are in ministry and service. What part of the body you want us to be. How you want us to serve. And then, Father, help us commit to being all we should be for the body of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.